Marva's funeral sparks chaos in the streets. Mon Mothma is being watched. Cassie returns home and more as the Sky Guys are back to recap episode 12 of Andor. Hello there. Welcome back to the Sky Guys podcast. We are wrapping up our first season coverage of Andor here. I'm one of your hosts, Mike Phillips. Joined today, as always, the man whose voice you hear in the narration every single week, Pete Constantor is here. Pete, how are you? Doing well. We uh, we made it, as you said, prior to us recording. We made it. It's uh, season finale time to talk about that. Um, it's been a it's been a long journey, right? This is the longest Star Wars show, I think, live action that we, we covered. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, happy to be here to talk finale. Yep. Also with us today, the leader of our rebellion here got a little smile on his face after that at the finale of the episode. Nick Fred is here. Nick, how are you? Doing well. Uh, you said it. Pete said it. I'll say it. We made it. <laughs> we did it. Uh, I unfortunately forgot to wear my Sky Guy shirt. I just realized that because usually in the office this day, and it just I remember because I take a shower when I get home, but I showered earlier, so I didn't. I forgot. Well, that's okay. We're we're here. That's what matters here. We're recording on Thanksgiving Eve to get you guys ready. We're getting this Black Friday podcast drop in the Sky Guys feed. And Pete, they won't don't want to wait till the weekend on Justin the Suffering. They gotta subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, all these little suspects. Just because Andor is in does not mean we're gonna have more stuff coming in this feed. That's right. Yeah, definitely. You have to subscribe, get that that uh exclusive content. Yeah, and Nick, Pete Wall follows on the Instagram. How are they gonna do that? At Sky Guys Podcast. You can follow us there. You can also check out the YouTube page, Mike Phillips on YouTube. Video versions of the co- of the uh, shows are up here. Got our graphics on the show here. And since, again, no character cameos yet here, we'll bring in uh, Grogu because Mando's coming back. It'll be our next live-action show, Pete. Uh, going for us is the Grogu Lego brickhead, right? Yep. So, Yeah, I have the Lego uh, Vader and Obi-Wan's ones. I have not built them yet, but I do have them. I have the Vader helmet. Yeah, I had the Mando. I got to build that too before the season starts here. But let's get to some Star Wars news here quick. And this is a surprisingly big week on the Disney front. Well, I guess not specifically Star Wars, but it does obviously impact it. But I'm sure everyone knows uh, by now of the the Disney CEO change. Yep. Uh, Chapik or Chapik? Is it Chapik? Yeah, Bob Chapik is out. Bob Chapik is out. And he's being replaced by his predecessor, uh, Iger. Yep, the other Bob. The other Bob. So a lot of confusing. They're both Bob, but yeah, he left in let's see, uh, 2020. Yep. And handpicked Chapik, and now he is being, and now he is taking over again. Yeah, Pete, this is strange because I remember I saw in, in like the June, or like, oh, they gave Chapik a contract extension for three years. Like, okay, he's just doing well. And then all of a sudden, three months later, like, what? And, like, he's gone. Yeah, I don't I don't know much about the situation. I can't say that I have the knowledge. Um, I do know that people have been very frustrated going to the parks. Um, obviously, COVID was a thing and that being safe was not the frustrating part. I think it was more the pricing and how they were conducting things. I don't know if this was the reason why um, he was either asked to resign or replaced, but I definitely know that since the change, there has been um, a lot of heartache at the parks, if you will. Um, so, I've heard from what I've gathered the I don't know if this is the reason but it's a reason 
is Disney had their third quarter earnings release not too long ago. With, you know, their third quarter ends probably, unless their physical year is different than a normal physical year, but it probably ends end of September, and they released that information to the public later on. They were they released that information, he has to give the presentation, obviously, as the, as the CEO. And apparently he was very, like, happy-go-lucky about the fact that the company really underperformed. And the board was not happy about that and said, this is not something that we want. And that was it. Simple as that. Yeah, simple as that. And I think in terms of how it impacts Star Wars, I think it isn't here because we've seen some of the rumors flowing around the internet that apparently, like, Chapik is the one who's been putting a big kibosh on the movie production here, saying we have to get it perfectly right. There's now a theory, Nick, that feels like that now that Iger is back, we're going to get a little more headway in some of these movies. Uh, maybe. I mean, I really, you really have to see. I mean, you know me. If it's not confirmed by Star Wars or Lucasfilm or Disney, I don't feel like it's even worth mentioning, honestly. I feel like the amount of things I can go back and find from a little, uh, I don't know, screen critic or whatever website. I, mean, I don't even know if it's a real site. I made it up. But all these sites, if I can, I can go back to 2015 and look at the amount of things that were breaking new this movie, this show, this game in development, and none of them come out. So, like, I don't believe it until it's confirmed. Yeah. Do you want to talk about the other big rumor of the week about Kathleen Kennedy? Well, the rumor is that she might be on the way out after this change sooner than later. Yeah. But we'll ha- again, rumor. I really don't know. We'll have to see. There is one more piece of news, though. Um, Ryan Johnson is continuing to talk about Star Wars, and he says now that the company has shifted towards more towards television, being Lucasfilm, um, than movies, and he wouldn't mind returning in that fashion. As a TV director. Yeah. Well, I mean, like he's on the fresh junket right now because he's got the Glass Onion movie coming out in theaters here. So I'm not surprised to hear him from Ryan Johnson beat. Yeah, I'm not surprised either. I mean, we'll see. I, I movies and TV are a little bit different, so um, I think Book of Boba Fett kind of suffered from that, where it probably could have been a movie, but they try to make it to TV and make it a lot longer. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see if that actually happens, and if and if he does create something in TV, if it it actually kind of holds up. Yeah. Anything else in the news part of Nick week this week, or is that it? No, we'll talk more about some other stuff with and or related stuff next week when we do our season recap of the show. Yeah, and the, the quick note here, I think I'll mention before we go wrap up the news here, Andor Season 2 has started production, so they are shooting Season 2 as of starting today. Uh, when do you think that means it comes out? Well, I mean, they said right now that it's going to take about until August next year to shoot. We figure a year of post, not getting this until 2020, probably late around the same time we started this one in 2024. That's thanks. Hey, it's high quality TV. You got, I think you got to wait for, for it to be good. Yeah, as long as they have other stuff by then, which I'm sure we will. So let's do it. I'm ready to talk about it. Let's do it. Yeah, let's get into this episode here. And Pete, general thoughts on this finale here. Um, This might be the unpopular opinion, but I was a little bit bored. Um, Not so much by the story, but I thought maybe there would have been a little bit more to it other than the maybe last 10 minutes or so of that, the episode, I still think it was phenomenal. Um, I think it's important information to have and, and we'll discuss it obviously much more in depth. Um, and it's a great setup for season two. Uh, it definitely doesn't really give you a lot when it comes to what's going to happen next. So we'll, we'll see how season two goes in, in the next, you know, however long it's going to take, but um, not at the pace I thought it would be. 
Yeah, Nick, I will say the one thing that surprised me is like I think we did we had concerns last week about how are they gonna tie all these threads together here. They did a pretty good job because they had to spend the first three minutes of the episode doing like you know, weaving all these characters in onto Ferrix and the Mon Mothma thing on the side here. I think that, you know, there was a lot of fun going on here in terms of setting up characters, you know, bringing Vel and back into Cynthia's orbit, having Luthen show up, having like Karn show up, Dedra show up. I think everybody was there, and that was sort of a good pace up here. And then we got a final 15 minutes of funeral magic here where Marva basically sparks a riot. I, I think they did a good job with bringing everything together. I, we were all worried about that going into the episode. Is How is it, all of these storylines going to clash in one? And I think they did a good job at closing the storylines that needed to be closed, and the ones that are not closed we're going to see the next season. So I, I enjoyed the episode, and think they did a good job at not making us feel like this is a 54 minute episode. I think that included credits though, right? Yeah. And 48 of them were getting everyone together. No, they, they got everyone together fairly quickly. And I appreciated that. Yeah. We had moments with the characters too. And P I think this show is given, I think they've earned the benefit of the doubt from me where I was like, I will trust them with direction. They take us here. And unlike some of the other shows we've had. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was totally fine with it. I don't think there was anything about it that made me feel <sighs> Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Upset about it, right? I don't. I don't think the finale was bad. Um, but I do have my thoughts, and as we get to those certain points, I'll, I'll probably be the odd man out with those thoughts. But we'll get there. All right, let's go ahead and dive into this episode here. We we'll start off. So there's a lot of it on Ferrix. Mon Mop is the only Coruscant thing here. So I think we'll start with the some of the prelude to the funeral here. We see the beginning of something. Dedra shows up on Ferrix. We see her showing up. I, Nick, I did love this shot we got of the Imperial installation on. Uh, Eric's here, and I thought this was very cool seeing her walk in, fly in on the shuttle, and then have all the Death Troopers and Stormtroopers milling around. Yeah. Cool to see the shuttle. Shows she's important. The only time you ever see that shuttle is Emperor, Vader, Krennic. Tarkin. Tarkin, her, I, I, maybe a few others that I can't think of right now, but you don't see that shuttle that often, so that shows that she's very important and she, she held, held great importance getting there to Ferrix, that is safely and love to see the, the what are they, the death troopers, right? Yeah. The death troopers. We saw them in, uh, I think in rogue one, rogue one for yeah. sure. I'm not sure if we saw them anywhere else, but definitely rogue one. They, they've been in video games. I don't think they've been anything other live action besides rogue one until today. Were they in fallen order? I don't, I think they might've been in fallen order. They were in, they were in rebels. Okay, well, that makes some sense here in terms of the live action stuff here. And Pete, we also sort of see as we get to Ferris, see that Brasso is sort of running things around and getting the funeral set up here. And we learned from the guy who was on the radio last week that he learns about Cassian coming back here. And he's like, hey, you know, like, be quiet here. We don't want this information slipping around here. I did think it was good foreshadowing here that we see the other guy that, like, Cassian knows sort of just, like, sneaking around trying to poke around. Like, hey, like, what's going on here? And sort of getting shut down. Yeah, I mean, I wish people would learn their lessons. I mean, how many times do uh, we see in Star Wars or we see in other shows in general that you try to keep secret and it's always the person you're least expecting is hearing you and, and brings that information back? Um, yeah, I mean, it's a good correlation. Absolutely. Yeah, and we also get a lot of Vel stuff in this portion of the episode here. I mean, we get the Vel and Cinta reunion, Pete, where, you know, like Cinta is like staking out like the ISB and Vel's having to have a conversation about their relationship and I think we kind of tell by the end of the episode that they're, like, no longer a thing. But, like, I did think it was a good setup here sort of, like, see, like, you know, that there's a wedge here because Senta is so focused on, like, I have to do my mission. I have to stop the Empire and is, is not is kind of, like, forsaking the other relationship she has. Yeah, and I mean, I think it was a little 
abrupt. I, I feel like if Cinta was that way in the beginning on Aldani, I, I mean, she had that kind of focus to her, but I didn't really take it as like that was the only thing around her kind of a thing. She didn't have tunnel vision, if you will. I think it was a little bit of abrupt to be like, this is tunnel vision now. We have to we have to get Andor. It just was very, very weird to me. Um, it, it, I guess it ties up that storyline. It also kind of ties up what's going on between, you know, Vel and Cinta. Vel kind of also just kind of disappeared, I would assume, between Aldani and then meeting up with her when it came to the whole Andor situation, how they wanted him killed. Um, but it, it, it's it's a it's okay. Like I'm not upset about it, but I'm also not like, wow, that was great. So Nick, anything you want to add on the Vel Cinta thing? I feel like it's sort of like the way I read it sort of like that Vel sort of changed a bit from where they started in terms of like after the Aldani thing, sort of like seeing, oh like this is really fragile. I want to protect what I have. And Cinta is still like, no, like that's the cost of doing business. I think Cinta is a little bit too involved in fighting what she hates. Yeah. Instead of um, the reason you're fighting is not to take down what you don't like. It's to save what you do like. I guess, I guess it's kind of what Rose said in The Last Jedi. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and, and Cinta's not doing that. She's fighting what she hates. And I think that might come back to bite her. Yeah, there's someone we're going to see her in season two, considering she's still on the board at this point. I just think, like, maybe she's a darker place at that point. Possibly. Yeah. Pete, we also get Vel and Luthen meeting up here, and it was nice to get a little confirmation from the show here that Luthen did actually order the hit on Cassie in here. We get this conversation about what's going on with this. I did think it was nice to get that cleared up. Yeah, I mean, I think this was probably one of the... I want to say the only point of clarity in this in this episode, but at least we did get that right. I mean, I think we we speculated about it and we didn't have that that confidence, but now we do. We we get that information pretty much all right off the bat. Yeah, Nick, what do you think of uh, Vel and Luthen's little interaction here? Like, while they're getting ready to wait for the funeral here. Um, honestly, honestly, no thoughts. Yeah. Be honest with you. No, just I don't know. Getting ready for it. Simple yeah. that he just asked simple questions to the funeral. She told him. Yeah, that's true. Let's put a pause on Ferrix. I mean, before Cassian shows up, we'll go to Mon Mappa. So I'll just do it all in one shot here. I think there's not much really going on here. But Nick, I did think it was interesting. We start off, we, we see her and uh, Parent leaving a party. And she basically, the way I read this, I'm correct if I'm wrong here, is that she stages a fight with uh, Parent, knowing that like her driver, the ISB Imperial plans to be listening. She basically says, hey, like, why are you gambling again? He's like, wait, what? Like, I'm not gambling. She's like, you are gambling. Like, like where? And you're losing money for me. He's like, and he basically has this whole fight. She's basically trying to make put this bug in the empire's ear that hey, I'm short money because my husband's gambling. Yeah, hundred percent. She now the empire thinks that's why she lost money because of gambling, and there's nothing to do with some secret operation. So she gets them off her back. Pete, was this a good it, strategy on her part? I think so. I, I think now do we know that the driver is working for the empire in that capacity? I don't know, but it was still good to put that out in the open just in case he is right. And, and also uh, it, 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 it kind of fills up that hole, right? Um, well, yeah, I, we, we do know though the driver met with Blevin later in the episode. Right. But at that point we didn't. All right. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. At the beginning right. of the episode, we just hear he's kind of eavesdropping on the conversation. Right, she yeah, says I'm, I'm, I guess I should have explained myself better. It was, it was, smart but i don't think mon mothma knew exactly that he was actually you know what i'm saying like it was just like let me try it if not whatever he heard it but if so it, it helps my story right um 
and like you know, like Nick says, he meets with Blevin later, so it's it's definitely a help. It, it definitely works out for her. It, she she kind of she kind of gambled with the gambling line. I think it probably will work. Yeah, Nick, he's telling me something. He's talking about back. I think like episode four, when she first meets Luthen. It's like, hey, they changed my driver. I'm pretty sure like I'm being watched. So I think she maybe she's operating the whole time this way and took it up as an opportunity. He's like, hey, my driver's here. Like he's probably gonna report back on what I'm saying. So let me just try and cover my tracks. Exactly. Yeah, that's why she does that, and and that's why they're in the back room through Luthen's. And I think she maybe you know off screen had they had, maybe she had found out for sure this guy does work for the Empire. I know this. And that's why she did what she did, or she didn't know. The good guess. Yeah. Now, Pete, I think it's interesting because we next we get to where the driver has reported back to Blevin about what's going on here, and he's just saying, "Hey, like her husband is gambling, like he's losing money," and Blevin's like, "Great, like we can pinch this guy and use him for us." Is it possible here now that the trap bomb Mothma set for the Empire could backfire because then they can go, the Empire could go squeeze uh, parents and say, "Hey, you know, like you're losing money here, like we're gonna expose you here." Tell, keep an eye on your wife for us. I could see this end up double, like big backfiring on my mom. Yeah, but I, I don't know what kind of angle the Empire would use, right? I mean, maybe they would use that angle to get her out of the Senate because they know she's a problem. But I don't need I don't know a problem to them at least. I, I don't know what else they could say. It's like, oh, your your husband's gambling money away, like we're gonna arrest you. It's like I don't I don't know what else you could do other than maybe pushing her out of the Senate saying like, oh, you're involved with someone who gambles. It's not a good look for us. You're, you're out of the Senate. You're not going to get reelected or however they do it there. Um, so, I mean, it, it could lead to something bigger, but I, I don't know what angle they'll take. Nick, my take on the angle is sort of like that they're going to squeeze parents and say, hey, like you're going to be our eyes on the inside here. We're not getting enough of the drivers, so you're going to keep an eye on your wife for it. Otherwise, we're going to like get, make a big deal out of your gambling. And we're going to have to see because – don't really know what Blevins going to do with that information. Yeah. And we're not going to know until the next season. And it's possible he does nothing with that information. And they're just saying that to make you feel like dun, dun, dun. And you go into the next season. So we're going to have to wait and see what happens there. But for the sit for the time being, Mon Mothma has money. Or, you know, it, it, she used money. Cause she, you know, we'll see what happens later. And the Empire does not suspect a thing. Yeah, they don't. And the thing that happens later here, so I'll just wrap up my Mop, Mop story or one shot here. There's sort of like a quick thing in the montage at the end of this end of the end of the episode there. It's like we see that they have this dinner meetup with her, Perrin, and Lita, and then Davo, his wife, and the son. And Nick, they forgot to bring Bosk with them. Yeah, what a shame, right? <laughs> no Bosk. But I think that was a very important scene. I think that shows that. Mon Mothma has realized that her personal interests need to take a backseat to what's more important for the greater good for the galaxy. So even though she does not agree with her daughter being set up with this boy or, you know, I don't know if it'll turn into a marriage. I think that's supposed to be what happens here, but not necessarily. She under she doesn't want that, but she understands that for the greater good, it's, it's important. Yeah, I guess the GoFundMe didn't work out for her. No. No, it didn't. There was too many Nicks in, in the in the galaxy here. Probably, yeah. <laughs> too many me? Yeah, you're the one who said you want to donate. Oh, yeah, I don't because I know what happens. Yeah, they don't need my money. All right, let's go back now to Ferrix. We spend the rest of our podcast on Ferrix here for the rest of the season. Here, Cassian comes back on Ferrix. We see that he's you know lurking around doing some things here and. 
Pete, we got another flashback here. We got to see a moment of him with his father. We sort of thinking back on this. I think he goes to the, the square where his name's, his brick is on the wall. And we sort of see like, you know, a flashback to like, hey, like, you know, the empire like wants you to like spend more money than is necessary. Like we could fix this part in like two minutes. It's very easy. It's like, I think it was sort of fun to get more insight into Cat's relationship with his father. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think it was a nice little break in what was going on, the seriousness of of uh, Marva's funeral, obviously. Um, and it was cool that he went up to to the to the dad's brick, right? Because that's what was going to be happening now with Marva. Um, but it was a nice little scene. Yeah, Nick, were you happy getting one more flashback in this season? Yeah, I, I wish we saw more of Cassian. I mean, exactly, technically, as a child there, but I guess I wish I saw more. You know how like that first flashback really took you there. Yeah. Well, this one was more of just a vision, almost. Yeah, sort of like memory. He's, he's remembering, yeah. Yeah, I, I kind of want to go back there, and I wish we get, uh, you know, I wish we got that opportunity, or they hope we get that opportunity in the next season. Like, I don't want to go back there and see that stuff first person again. Yeah, absolutely. And I did also like uh, Nick that we uh, spent some time, like when Cassie started hiding out in his old little like sh- like ship junkyard that he's like hides out in it. We see he's actually listening to Nemec's manifesto. We get some of Nemec's speech here, and this, the stuff Nemec says is actually pretty inspiring. Absolutely. We had said, I think it was last episode, maybe the one before it, that these characters are going to shape Cassian into who he is with Nemec and with Luthen and with, um, oh, God, what was his name? You know it. Uh, oh, uh, Kino. Kino. And we, we had said that they were going to shape together into what Cassian becomes, and I think we're definitely seeing that happen in front of our eyes now, especially with Nemec. Kino, I would assume, would be next because yeah. he's gone, and Luthen is still with him. So that should probably be the last one. Yeah, yeah. Pete, I think the visual, I think the the fun part here was like just letting like this like sort of letting us as always bake in what Nemec is saying, and sort of like having his voice play over this, and like sort of Cassie and like walking around do kind of nothing while this is we're start staring at the tablet. I did think that was a creative way to just get that message out to us, the audience. Yeah, I think it was the is the probably the smart play because what else would you kind of play over him lurking around? Um, it was probably planned. I'm not saying that they sat there and said, well, what can you do? So it's not just this kind of like man walking around lurking. So it was, it was, uh, it was definitely nice to hear it. We always kept hearing about it in the beginning about his manifesto. And now we finally heard some, some knowledge from it. And it was, it was good. It was actually really good. And I liked that they did it over him walking around. So it wasn't too boring of a shot. Yeah, I would agree with that here. And then, we get this big reunion between Cassian and Brasso in the in the uh, tunnel where he's sort of hiding out playing his next move because he doesn't he doesn't know what happened to Bix yet. But I did think this was also a great scene, Nick, where we sort of see like Cassian basically has this guilt about like leaving his mother behind, and he's telling Brasso like, "Hey, like I want I wanted her to leave with me. I came back to get her. She didn't want to leave." And then Brasso like as a, a great great friend who all around the funeral and like relays his mother's final words to Cassian. So I thought that was also very nice to see. Yeah, Brasso's a good guy. He's, good, he's a good dude. You don't see that much in Star Wars where you just get a genuinely good person. Yeah. And that's what he is. He's a good friend and he's a good person and he seems like a hard worker with his job and everything. And, you know, good on him. And I, I wish the best for him. Yeah. I hope, like, I mean, we see the, the episode that he gets off the planet. I do think that, like, hopefully we see more of Brasso in season two. I would be shocked if we did not. Yeah. Absolutely here. And while this is going on here, we do see uh, in the background, Pete, that like, like uh, Nurchi, who was uh, one of Cassian's like buddies from like the from the first episode here, he sort of puts together what's going on here. And then we sort of see he's sort of trying to get the 
interrogation for the friend here. We know this guy's up to no good. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's 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 a lot of lurk, you know, characters that are lurking in Ferrix, so it, it makes sense. Yeah, apparently he owed Cass, Cassie owed him money, so like he's just trying to collect for the highest highest bidder here. And we do get a fun situation here where I mean, first of all, the buddy we call this Nick that like he goes to goes to the ISB, he's like, Hey, arrest me. And then he's like, I have, I know where Cassian is, I know you're looking for him, like I want I want double what your reward is here. Tell me this here. This guy is another lovely snitch. Yeah, well, good plan though. Well, double what you know, don't just don't be listen, if you're good at something, never do it for free. That's what the Joker said, right? Yep. He's right. If you have the information, charge him for it. I mean, scummy, but uh, I don't know, kind of trying to survive, I guess. I, what I really enjoy about this episode. Well, you know what? I'm gonna save this. Never mind. Go ahead. All right, we'll say this here. So basically what's going on right now is Cassie and decide, you know what, I'm going to go save Bix. I'm going to use the funeral distraction to go take care of this. We get this epic, like, funeral procession here where, like, we learned at the beginning of the episode from, like, uh, Dedra's ISB like, companions there that, like, they asked for a permit for 30 people. They got authorized it for, for a couple hours afternoon. Uh, then I think the Dwarves of Ferrix asked for more because... They gave him up to forty because uh, Marva was a member of a so like the late Darth Vader founds a social club and she was the president of the club. So nice to see sort of these traditions built out in the Star Wars universe. And actually, I think this is the first time we actually get a regular person's funeral, not like a Jedi funeral in this in this show. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely not a regular funeral though. I mean, it seems like they this was a very respectful. I mean, I don't know if they do this for everyone or if they do this to, for respected members of that society. Um, but it, it's, it's definitely a, a, a very big event. Uh, and by event, I mean a respect in the most respectful way, obviously to the character. Cause it's, it's, there's everyone, like everyone was there um, paying respects to Marva. And um, it's definitely not what I would consider traditional when it comes to star Wars. But again, like you said, we'd only really seen, Jedi funerals. We haven't really seen any traditional funerals either, so this might be just something that's that's kind of always been there and how they always do it. Nick, what'd you think of the funeral itself? I did think it was sort of cool. Like we sort of had this it kind of reminded me a bit of Episode Six. We had the big set piece with the cultural custom where we had the Eye Festival. I think Episode Six here we had the funeral where like we see all of our characters sort of slipping into the uh, various parts of the scene, and we see like you know Brasso's helping lead the procession. We got the band and like. Santa slips in the procession to try and say, get close to ISB agents here. I did think there's a nice way to sort of have this cultural moment, also build attention of like what's where all these people are going in this in this moment. Well, two things: one, it's a lot more than thirty people, right? Yeah, it's like basically like the entire town's coming out. Yeah, and two is I I don't know much about this kind of stuff, like you know directing and all that, but to me, that seems like just perfect direction. Yeah, having everyone there, you're building up in a tense moment. Showing everyone's point of view at that moment, it shows you something's about to go down. I don't know if they that's a, there's a name for that in film or something, but it it that's exactly what it seemed to me was that they were showing everyone like seeing what everyone's up to at that moment in time. Everyone has a different point of view; they can only see what they can see. You can't see everything, and everyone we know pretty much is right there. I don't think there's any characters or big characters, at least, who weren't there right then. Yeah, I mean, everyone who had a reason to be there was there. Like, my mom was like, no reason to be there, so she's not there. Except maybe, maybe the uh, Dedra's boss. Oh, part, well, I mean, he was uh, he was supervising the raid, the raid that kills Krieger. Yeah, so it makes sense. But everybody, everybody who was there, shit was you know, everyone who would have been there is there. 
Yeah, and we see, I'll mention here, because I forgot, I mentioned him yet, Karn is there too. We used to get the nice little shot of him and his buddy riding the train over and like, kind of just like, kind of like swapping hats and putting their hats Why'd they swap hats? I don't get it. I guess maybe Karn has a sense of style. I felt like they went better with his outfit. Yeah. I, was trying to, I was trying to understand it. Pete, anything? Are you, are you okay about to say something? No, I just, uh, this made no sense to me. Personally, <laughs> I, uh, I, I don't get it either, Nick. I really don't. So to me, that the 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 hat flip was the spin move from Boba Fett. I would so much rather a hat flip any day of the week than a spin move. The thing with the hat flip, though, the hat flip was very subtle and understated. Where there, you know, like they take the hats, they sort of look at each other, like nod, they put the hats on. It's not like Boba Fett, where like the spin is just so obscene that like it doesn't even belong. And that's why it's better. I see. I think they both made no sense, but this one was subtle, and that's why I like it more. Yeah, I agree with that for sure here. And I do think we get this very this a lot of tension here going on because you see the Empire piece getting very nervous because more people are showing up than they planned on here. You see that some of the ISB agents are trying to like maintain crowd control. We have the whole thing of like this the guy, the narc who snitched on Cassie and they're trying to go look for him in the tower where he's observing everything. So this is also very very good sort of build up even more drama as we get to the big moment. Yeah. It- it makes no sense to me, right? And the reason why I say that is, was there any Empire intelligence to say there was going to be some sort of attack that day? I mean, it seems like they just tried, they wanted to get everyone in one spot so they can control them and contain them, possibly draw Andor out or whatever. I don't know. I just, to me, it was very weird to see them nervous because I thought to them, this was just a funeral. And it's like, yeah, give it to him. We want to. We just want to make sure that everyone's there. Then maybe we can get Andor. So that's why I was kind of confused. Um, I thought maybe they get more angry than anything, saying like, "Wait, there shouldn't be this many people," and they start pushing people away or turning them away or something like that. And that didn't really happen, except for you know, on the side streets, people were like keeping the street clear, saying, "No, you can't go past here." I I, I was a little confused by that. Yeah, Nick, did that bother you at all? That the Empire seemed completely unprepared for like more than forty people showing up at this funeral. A little bit, a little bit. Um, seemed like a lot more than thirty. Like I said before, right? What do you think it was? Like a thousand? I think like maybe like two fifty. I guess. Okay. Okay. Yeah, a lot more. Maybe maybe ten times what they were expecting. But uh, great funeral. And Nick, there were aliens in the crowd as well. There were. I also I saw an alien at another point in the show. I think there was an alien on the train too with Khan. Yeah. yeah, he was sitting in the back when he and the boy were doing the half flip. Yeah. Yeah. Which maybe they did the hat flip because it was more subtle for him or something, and he wanted to blend in more. But yeah. Then again, no one really knows him except her, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, like he's also created all the chaos in this planet too. So of course he wanted to be like going. A little, he's the reason why the empires come down so hard on them. So like, it makes sense why he wants to go a little incognito, right? Because it's his stupidity in the third episode really sets up this whole mess. Yep. Yeah, and we get Pete, we get this great moment where we see that Brasso's got the brick. We stop that B2 Emo is there, and he is playing a message that Marvel recorded prior to her death. She basically gives her own eulogy, and she gives this incredible speech about how, like, you know, like, I wish I had woken up earlier. Like, the Empire is like rust that, like, you're letting us, cor- it's corroding here. She basically gives this incredible speech, and finally, at the end, it's like, fight the empire. And then we see that this one ISB guy just like starts freaking out and tries to cover B2 emos like projector with his jacket. And then that starts a whole melee. So the speech was the best part of the whole episode. The worst part of the whole episode was this guy trying to put a jacket over a small projector. 
I, I, I'm sorry. I don't care how nervous you are. I don't care what the deal is. He put the jacket. It, it's not hard. If anyone that has, and, and this is no disrespect to anyone, if anyone has basic, you know, understanding of how things work, if I put my jacket over a lens, I need to cover the whole lens to stop what is being shown. Not, I have a small lens like this big and a jacket this big, and I miss it halfway, and it still shows. Granted, I understand why it was done in the show, but that was the worst part of the episode. This was a very, very, like, Book of Boba Fett-esque kind of move. Like, oh, I'm going to stop the projection. Whoops, I missed the lens. It's like, no, you, no one does that. That's uh, that's just that's just lame. You know, that's just a really bad way to continue. They should just let the projector play out, and then once... Marva said what she had to say. The guy came over and stopped it, and then the fight breaks. Not like stops it halfway, and then she's like, fight the Empire, and then the, the fight breaks out. I don't know. I, I found that very just inexcusable. Like, there's real, like there's better decision-making that could be made direction-wise and also production-wise for that. Yeah, Nick, the thing I took away from it is that this guy, I think it's Captain Vanis Tigo, is the guy who's, like, trying oh. to stop this with his jacket, like, the thing that I got from him is that he's basically a moron who has no idea how to actually, like, deal with situations like this, where he's sort of, like, instead of, like, the natural response, like, oh, you know, like, Stormtrooper, shoot that droid so he can stop playing the message, as opposed, and we'll just squash this thing later on. He's just like, hey, I'll just throw my jacket or maybe no one will hear this. I just think that was that was very dumb. So I'm not defending him, because, spoiler alert, I'm going to be mentioning his name later <laughs> in the episode, but, but to be fair... I don't think he's ever dealt with this before. The Empire's never been challenged. To his mind, it's like, what do, what do we even do? Like, most of the time, I feel like the Stormtroopers for 15 years just kind of stood there. Yeah. They never had to do any action and shoot anyone unless they were just doing, like, running curfew or something you know, on a planet. So, like, I see, why, I see why he's like, oh, my God, what do I do? Because he's literally never done this before. He's working for the Empire, let's call it 15 years, and he's never had to do anything except look scary. Yeah, he do, he does know what he's doing here, and it's then, no excuse, but that's why we don't see, we don't see what's going on here. We get we see that like at that point, I think the next move it has here is that B two emo gets flipped over, and then this starts the melee. The stormtroopers coming in here, and what I get to mention is that the episode starts out with uh, the kid Wilmon, who is the son of the guy who worked with with Bix, who gets killed here. We see he's building something. We find out that Pete he built a pipe bomb, and he had incredible aim where he flings the pipe bomb in here, and then. It explodes and then it explodes a bunch of the Empire's ammunition here. So this just leads to even more chaos. Yeah, I uh, I have to say, what a savage moment to use the brick that was made of the ashes of Marva to beat the crap out of that one Empire guard. Yeah, Brasso, great job I, with that. I have to say, that is the most disrespectful, but the most badass thing that guy could have done with that brick. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, it, it, I, I didn't know what that guy was building. I mean, I kind of had an inkling. I kind of was like, okay, that, that has to be something that's dangerous. Like, I don't think he's just building a clock, right? Like it's, it's, <laughs> this is something that's definitely going to be used or it's, uh, he's building it for the empire or something like that. Like I, my brain went in so many different directions, but it makes it, it kind of makes sense, right? It, it makes sense. And it, it almost, uh, almost kind of gave me Saw Guerrero vibes. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like this kid and Nick. Pete does a great point with the brick. I was gonna get to that too. We see that Brasso and he's like trying to fight to protect the kid. That like he uses Marva Andor's like brick, which is like basically composed from her body, to just club stormtroopers with it. And so wherever Marva Andor is at this point, I'm sure she's looking not smiling at this. 
it's essentially an urn. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so what I was going to say earlier that I want to say is I, I what I really loved and appreciated about the show was that it showed us a planet, Ferrix, that really had little to no Imperial involvement prior to Karn's debacle, right? Yep. And we see the Empire come in, see how they impose their fascist ways, and have everyone turn against them to a point where it becomes an all-out brawl, and we see it all happen in front of our eyes. So now we know what people on these Imperial-occupied planets feel. Because we really, like, Tatooine was on the Outer Rim, the Empire wasn't even there. So in A New Hope, when we first meet Luke, he doesn't really have much involvement. He doesn't even hate the Empire. He wants to join the Empire. He wants to join the Imperial Academy. You don't really get to see what it's like, but for the citizens who are impacted by the Empire and the original trilogy at all, we're just led to believe they're bad because they tell us they're bad. Now we get to see it firsthand and say, oh, this is why people hate them because of what they do. How they run, they run, they take over hotels, they run in, they put in curfews, they ruin everyone's life. Yeah, they actually, we see the fight, we see them fight back. Yeah. And Pete, we spent about 15, about 10 minutes like with this uh riot that happens here as a result of this. And I thought this was so well shot because it's not like you know, some of these clean battles like we've seen in like Book of Boa Fett finale or like the Mando finale. Like this was just like pure chaos. And the way they shot it was great, where they were cutting between a bunch of different things, and characters trying to see what's going on with them. We see the one friend get shot, and then they had that great shot where you're like you're staring at his dead body about like 10 seconds before they cut off of it. Like they give you a real sense of like this is pandemonium and they do a good job conveying that. Yeah, and it makes sense. I mean, we we've, we've been watching a show about the common Star Wars citizen, right? I mean, this is this is kind of what it's been about. And like you said, it was a riot. This wasn't, I don't think, planned. Uh, I'm sure they were preparing for something like this to happen. But no, I don't think anyone was battle trained. No one was like, oh, this is how exactly we're going to do it. So nothing was clean. Everything was was very choppy and it was very, very real. Uh, obviously, that riot didn't happen in real life because we're talking about Star Wars, but it felt very real. This is what the real common day, common uh, character in Star Wars would have to do to defend themselves, and I, I think they captured that very nicely. They did do a good job with that here, and Nick, well... Also, Mike, before you move on from the funeral, you had said a few weeks ago that you'd think that the speech from Kino might be what they play during the Emmy, right? That's I think I, I said that was the Emmy clip they send in. I think it might be this speech also. It might be this speech. I guess I think that they said I think this is a very good speech. I think Keynote's is very hard to tell. I think this one's right there though. And I'll be honest, you don't do you know what the internet says? Uh, I do not know what the internet says. I check on that yet. The internet says that the Luthan speech from the same episode as the keynote speech at the end is the best speech. So we have a lot of good speeches in this show. Yeah, like I said, this show has Emmy bait all over it. Yeah. yeah. Let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. And while this is going on here, Cassian is sort of slinking around. He's getting in there to the hotel when all the security leaves try and deal with the melee situation here. He kills a guard. We see he grabs Bix and Pete, like she really is like sort of like strung out, hallucinating. She has like no concept of what's going on here. So like it's a good job sort of like uh, sort of remind us here like, hey, like like Bix is not okay. They've been doing messed up stuff to her for a while. Oh yeah, she's shot. She's absolutely shot. And I think they again uh, this this show probably has been shot the best out of all the live action shows so far, in my opinion, just cinematography wise, and also kind of capturing the the emotion of everything going on. And I think they really, really make it very well known that Bix is absolutely completely done. She's just, I she has no more energy. She's got no more. I, I, I don't maybe go as far as say no more will. 
It's just like, this is what it is. You know, like it's kind of like very matter of fact, but also in a way where she's not really coherent. Um, yeah, they, they do a great job with it. And I think uh, Cassian does a great job to get her out. It, he does get her out. We see that he sort of helps get away from this situation here. And Nick, we get the moment of redemption for Karn, it looks like, because while this is going on, like, Dedra gets shot, and then she's in the middle of the scrum, like, basically looking about to get, like, trampled by all the civilians, and then she gets saved by Karn, because Karn basically scoops her up, like, puts her, his way, he puts her at gunpoint, he's like, hey, come with me, and then they go inside a shop, and she's like, oh, it's you, like, and she's like, he's like, yeah, Cyril, and he's like, what, he's like, I guess I have to thank you for saving me, and, like, this is a very awkward interaction, but Karn does get his, like, little moment in the sun here, I think this will lead to good things for what he wants. Yeah, Karns can then go to the um, what was the place where he worked for like an episode? Oh, the uh, Bureau of Standards. Yeah, the Bureau of Standards is gonna go in with her, and she's gonna say, "Wipe his name. What would you like your new name to be?" And he's gonna say, "Callus." Yeah, <laughs> and that's how we're gonna meet Agent Callus in season two. Yeah. So yeah. I guess that's the beginning of the the Karn turnaround. I I am excited to see where it leads us. I would imagine he joins the Empire. On, on her recommendation or her um, referral. And I guess it's not really much of a redemption for from bad guy to good, but it's it's good for his character, at least, you know? It, it, it's up and roll building his career, basically. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not helping him as he's still a bad guy in the show. He's still a villain, but <clears throat> good for him, at least. Yeah, Pete, what do you think of Karn's like, little moment here? Cringy. I, uh, <laughs> I'm, I agree with, with both of you. I think this is definitely redemption of his character. I find it funny that we call him villain because we just despise him so much. But at the end of the day, he technically was just doing his job. He doesn't know the circumstances of what happened. All he knows is that two of his team members or people that worked for that, for that um, organization were killed by the hand of him. So he, Villain or not, hey, want to call it? It's it's kind of weird to call him a villain, but I can understand. He's definitely the an antagonist of the show. Um, that there's so much tension in that scene between between them, those two, and it just it was very awkward. I was like, please move on from this. I don't want to keep watching this. It was it was more awkward than like if you watch the the office and Michael Scott's doing something super awkward, and they just won't go away from it. It's like stop, please stop. And you know that was uh, intentional too. They left you there on purpose. Uh, a hundred percent. I was waiting for her to kiss him. That was like, <laughs> I was like she's definitely going to kiss yeah, him. Yeah, I, I thought, I thought, they might, I thought I like, she might. They're going to kiss. There's going to be, it's going to be stupid. I'm going to be so upset. And I'm glad they didn't because I think that would have like ruined the severity of what was going on personally. Um, yeah. It, it. I just, I agree with you guys. Redemption for the character, but damn, what an awkward, awkward scene. Yeah, it looked like, it's like if Han Solo was creepy. That's what this moment would have been. He's, yeah. a, he's a very, very good actor. Yeah, I, uh, he's great. Yeah, no, phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. But it's it's funny because he wasn't that creepy. It was her making it awkward. Yeah, because like all she had to do was say, "Oh, thank you." He was just standing there, like, "You don't need to thank me. Like, it's yeah. fine." Like it, it was very. He, she made it very awkward. It wasn't even him. So I can't even like deduct points from him about it. To be fair, though, like this is also the same man who was stalking her for a while. All of a sudden, he's on the planet that she happens to be on. Listen. I think she's like freaked out, like, oh my God. But he's, he's here again. You saved my life, <laughs> so I can't be that freaked out right now. Yeah. It's a complicated set of emotions for Dead Repeat. I I 
I really hope they don't continue this for another 12. If it's 12 episodes in season two, if it's longer, if it's shorter, I just, I hope they nip this in the bud. I don't want to see awkward Dedrin. Like imagine you're, you're getting stalked and you, you get jumped and the person stalking you saves you. Can you be mad? Yes, I know. You could be like, why are you stalking me? But also thanks for saving me. Yeah. That's essentially what's happening. Yeah, it's a little weird, and we'll put that. Like, I think that's that's a good spot to leave Karn and Dedra for the season here. We see that there's a little crew that escapes basically from uh, Ferex here. And before I forget here, Pete, stitches do get stitches because Nurchi dies when the bomb explodes. So that was also a fantastic comeuppance for him. Yep, absolutely. That was I was uh, I almost clapped. I was like, <laughs> good, glad. Like you shouldn't have done that. Yeah, he learned nothing from Tim with two M's. Yeah, nothing. Yeah, he yeah two deaths for two snitches. I mean that that's the theme, right? It's definitely the theme. Yeah, and we see later on that like they're using one of the ships to escape. One of the uh, Dars of Ferrix is on it. Uh, Brasso, Cassian brings Bix there. B two Emo is there after one of the Cassian's other friends. They say pulls him away from the uh, chaos here. A couple and Wilmon, the kids on the ship. Uh, Cassie basically has them like has the Dar friends like hey like. Here's a plan. Get people far away from here as possible here. And we sort of see that, like, he is leaving them behind to move on to something else here. And I thought the goodbye he has with his droid, I thought it was, a, was a very emotional moment, Nick. Definitely. I don't think that's the last time we see the droid. My, my theory still remains that he's going to become K2SO. But we'll have to wait till next season to see, I guess. Yeah, and spoiler alert for next week's podcast. I mean, Tony Gilroy already said that K2SO is showing up next season. So we've been told, yeah, I'm sure he will be. Yeah. I was actually expecting him to show up in a post credit scene because I know they said he's not going to be in the show, and I think that's the kind of how you throw people off and make it feel like he's not going to be in the show, and then he'd be in the post credit scene. But then I think there's too much to explain of how he becomes who he is. Like, it's a it's an Imperial droid that they have to hack. It probably needs to get defeated in battle before they can hack it. So I feel like they have a whole story. It's kind of like you can't just say, oh, and there's Chewbacca. Like, they needed an entire scene to introduce Chewie and, like, Solo. I think they needed to do the same with Kay. Yeah, this is not like uh, Palpatine randomly popping up in Obi-Wan when he said, I've said, I'm not going to be in this show, and he's in the show. Yeah, if he was going to be in the show, it needs to be for numerous episodes. He wouldn't be, he can't be a cameo. Yeah, Nick, I think, though, like, work. isn't this supposedly there's a comic book somewhere that explains how he gets, like, converted? I think there is. I don't. I don't know the comic. I haven't read the comic, but I think there is. I think you're right. Yeah, because I'm not. I'm not sure if they're gonna re retell it, or, or I know they've been controversial about some of that stuff like happening in other other properties we're gonna, we're gonna talk about soon. But like, I wouldn't. I'd be surprised if like maybe sees do we show up and he's already been converted. He's, he's hanging out with him. And the next we have a time jump. Maybe. Yeah. Do you think there'll be a time? I think there'll definitely be some sort of time jump in the next season. I'm thinking a year. Yeah, at least. I'm thinking there'll be a year until the next. So this is five BBY. The next season starts at four. Yeah. And the season will last for three years. There'll be jumps within the season. Yeah, I'm sure that's 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 going on as well here. And Pete, we do sort of end with this moment here with Cassian and Luthen, where Cassian like gets sneaks out the Luthen ship as Luthen's trying to leave the chaos here, and basically have this conversation where he's like, "Oh, like you've been trying to kill me." And Cass and like Luthen's like kind of like dumbfounded. He's like, "Here, here's your choice: kill me or take me with you." And you see this smile break out Luthen's face. It's just, I finally got this guy. He's gonna really help the cause. So, like, I think a win for Luthen in the end that he that he basically got Cassie into come aboard his cause. Did uh, 
did he say didn't he say like take me in almost like turn me in did i interpret that wrong that's how i interpreted it too but i think we both interpreted it wrong yeah i think we realized take i didn't realize the time take me in so i meant like like like, we thought like oh like bring me to jail as opposed to like right that's usually how i think of it if someone says take me in means like turn me in like it it it, you know not like your ring especially in that scenario i thought it was like either kill me or turn me in. I'm like, those are two poor options for Andor. Why is he giving those two options to Luthen? And then thinking about more and also hearing you say it, I can understand maybe that's how he meant like, hey, let's let's do this together again. Like, I want to do this. I, I don't know. I I was very confused at that. I think it's just me. Like, Cassian's like, like uh, phrasing has never been the most succinct on this either. So Yeah, take me in means take me to jail or it means like Adopt I'm me. stranded. Will you take me in? Yeah, like will you take me in? I guess that's how it meant. Like how Saw Gerrera took in Jyn Erso. Yeah. Like, I'm stranded outside. Can you take me in for the night training? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, so the season ends here that we get, uh, we find out that Cassian has joined the rebel cause. He's pretty hopeful at this point. We do another hopeful note here, and I think it's interesting going forward here, Pete, that we we see the Rogue, Cassian scene in Rogue One is a very cynical guy at this point, so I, the hopes he could probably get beaten out of it over the course of next season, season two. I mean, do we see much hope from him to begin with? I mean, I mean look he, through this season, it doesn't really seem like he has hope. It seems like he's more, I got to just do what I have to do. Yeah. Um, I mean, he he got falsely imprisoned. He gets out of prison, finds out his mother had passed away. He knows that his girlfriend or love interest, whatever the hell you want to call it, and Bix is pretty much shot mentally from what they did to her. And he's just like, yeah, I'll, I'll come find you guys. I promise. And then he goes right to Luthen's like, either kill me or take me under your wing or whatever it is. And let's do Let's start this rebellion. Like, I don't think he's hopeful. I don't think he's happy go lucky. I think he's more. This is what's going on. It needs to be done. I've seen too much crap now to, to really be excited about what's to come. Yeah, Nick, it's sort of like a little bit of maturity there from Cassian where he started, like you said, like all these people he's encountered sort of helped change his perspective. Like, supposed to selfish like hey like i'm just a tourist i want my money when i get out of here to like like there's stuff that needs to be done and i need to do it seeing growth in front of our eyes and i guess i guess season one was what we all expected to never see and season two we're expecting this show to be when we first heard about it when i heard there was a show about cassian i thought it was going to be about the early days of the rebellion and showing early fights against the empire as a rebellion that wasn't the case. Instead, it was a show of how this we got to that point. And see, excuse me, season two is going to be that. Yeah, we'll talk about more of this next week. I think the show is better off taking the time to sort of get Cassian to this point from where he was. I think we, we, we gained a lot of rounds. Definitely. All right. Last and not least here, we did get a post credit scene. It was not Cobb Vanth rising out of a bath back to tank here. We got to see here, Pete, that all those pieces that they were building in the prison are, as Nick said, part of the Death Star being built. And we see that they're basically building the laser right now as of 5BUI. So I thought this is a solid post credit scene. I did like that they used this. I thought it was fun. Yeah, I the the parts that they were building were pretty much connectors for, I guess, panels for the the um the dish that's yeah. part, you know, that they were building outside the Death Star. It was pretty cool to see how they were doing it too. Um little confused. I uh I, I was I, I feel like I've never and you guys can correct me on this. I felt like the Death Star was more of a fear tool after things started to go bad for the Empire, not prior to because it looks like the Death Star is pretty much almost complete here. So it seems like they were working on this maybe even 
before the empire started. So I was wondering what your thoughts were. And again, it could have been already explained that I missed it. Was the Death Star created because there were rebe- there was rebellious action or then they knew people were going to be against the empire? Or was it more like, we're just going to make this because we want you to fear us eventually and we'll take the time to build it now? So two things. First is, if you remember at the end of the Revenge of the Sith, it's starting. Yes, yes. So they were planning to build it all along. But I am agree. I do agree with you that I am confused, and I'm confused because it's five BBY, and it looks like it's done, right? Almost done, pretty much. It looks like it'll be done in a week. Yeah. And we don't see or hear about it in the galaxy until Rogue One. So what the hell was going on for five years? Maybe they can't power. Are we led. Are we led to believe that. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Are we led to believe that it's finished, but there's no way to actually shoot that laser, and that's why they're at Jedi getting the kyber crystals. Yeah, I feel like they're trying to power the thing. They haven't figured that. They're building it first, and they say, oh, wait, we don't have to power it yet. I, I guess. I mean, well, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt and wait to see. But it does seem odd in the timeline aspect of it. But, Pete, remember, the Geonosians had the idea in Attack of the Clones for it and Revenge of the Sith when they started actually showing it being built yeah. with... Yeah, I just... I um I got confused mainly about the actual building process. I think in Revenge of the Sith and Clone Wars, I was under the impression that it was a thought not actually happening yet obviously but um that makes sense that does yeah i remember the scene at the end of episode three when when vader walks onto the bridge with palpatine and they're looking out and seeing the, the and tarkin and Tar and young tarkin's there too and was, tarkin we see them look, look at the exoskeleton starting to be built for it and one thing that confuses me about this when you think about it nick is that like it took them almost 20 years to build the original death star it takes them about five to build three quarters of a second one i would imagine they learned how to do it and if you remember in rogue one Krennic says to uh, Galen Erso that the work has the the work has stalled. Yeah, meaning like there was some sort of break in there, possibly up to ten years where they where the, the thing wasn't being worked on. So what is South Construction going on strike? Maybe, <laughs> maybe, and maybe they have more resources. You would think that they have more resources for the first one than the second one. You'd think the Empire was kind of lost some credibility if the Death Star was destroyed, but I guess not. Yeah. Maybe they had more resources for the second one. Yeah. All right, so we'll, so we'll blame Sal's construction. Well, I guess it's like this. Like, I don't know. I don't. I don't do this stuff. But people build computers. Maybe, yep. maybe one of you guys do that. Pete, do you do that? I'm not sure. Yeah. No, I built. So, it. I have my so, own. so the, the first computer you built probably a pain in the ass. Yeah. But then once you've done it, the second one's a lot easier. I would assume. Yeah. No, I, that that's a good point. Everything's got all the all the all the the growing pains you've uh, you've kind of gone through already, and you know, okay, this is how I have to do it this time. So it, it makes sense. All right, and that's I think that's a good place to leave the episode here. And now we're going to get to some of the biz we do every week here. And we'll start off with the character draft, which we turned out here. What draft? It's a draw. Zeros across the board. Nobody showed you know, up on this all list. We all got 100, huh? Yeah, we all, we all got uh, f- failing grades on this one. So I think what we decided, of course, actually this is going to be is that going into Mandalorian season draft, we'll do the same thing where Pete sets the draft order for that one. And that's going to be the, the going on that one. And then for season two of um, Andor here, we're going to keep these teams. We're going to add a couple people to them to give us more chance to score points. Maybe we'll, yeah, add one or two to each team, I guess. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I, I mean, season two, I basically have said that, you know, we're going to bring more characters. We will definitely hit something next season when we add people to this. I really wish I didn't pick Ahsoka. <laughs> I think that's the most unlikely character on this list to show up. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that last pick. I'm like, who do I pick? I have no idea. And I was just like, you know what? Ahsoka, because she's in everything. <laughs> yeah, we forgot Dave Floyd's not on the show, though. 
Yeah. All right, let's get to our trackers here, the stuff we keep track of every single week here. Uh, no Hondo in this in this one here, Pete. I mean, we didn't expect him to show up at the funeral, but, you know, they said more character season two. Maybe he's, you know, there. Maybe meet, meet, meet up with him and he's on his way to meet the Rebels crew. My fingers are crossed, Mike. Yeah. We're hoping. This would be yeah, wild. I mean, do you think we get Hondo and Ahsoka? <laughs> maybe. Well, I mean, mm-hmm. I said... Really? At this point, we know what Hondo's doing. He's sort of like like uh, doing some shite stuff, and he meets up with the Rebels crew. So if the Rebels people end up showing up in the show, maybe he's, he, he's the conduit to them. If, like, if you had to pick one of the live-action shows that we know is coming out, which one do you think he's most likely to show up in? I still vote Skeleton Crew, but Ahsoka. after that, after that I'm going to say Ahsoka. Ahsoka, because Dave Filoni's show. He's going to bring in, and he's like the one. They talk about Clone Wars like being rewarded. There's not even a lie from Clone Wars besides him at this point in the timeline. <laughs> All right, next up here, yeah, right. animated cameos here, Nick. Just our two appearances of Saw Gerrera on the season here, so only two from the cartoons. Okay, nothing new this week, huh? Nope. No new action cameos either, Pete. Just nine. I will say, though, if somebody had the fourth to take Belshi in the draft, they would have won very easily. Yeah. I uh, don't think that was going to happen, though. <laughs> you know who I should have? I was thinking about this, like, two days ago, and I'm like... We knew Saw was going to be in the show. Why would I not pick two tubes? <laughs> Isn't that that's it's like it, it, it almost that's almost like so obvious it shouldn't have been allowed as a pick. That's like the handcuff pick when I took like C3PO with bail. Yeah, like th- that's like that's that's like such an easy pick. Like it's such an easy pick that I feel like because this character is confirmed, you know he's going to be there. Yeah, like that was almost like too easy where we shouldn't have allowed it, but we, none of us thought of it. None of us did here, and once again, Pete, no new planets here. Nine planets total this season. I'm curious to see how many we get in season two, because I know we're going to add at least Yavin to the board. Yeah, I, I think it's wild that in 12 episodes, we've got nine different planets, and I think that's great, especially with Star Wars. I mean, Star Wars is, you know, one of my friends, uh, Paul, always, always pegged Star Wars as a, as a movie or now shows where you're literally going to be on multiple systems, on multiple planets, always traveling and stuff like that, so it's it's definitely cool to see. Yeah. Next up here, uh, Nick, no classic lines. And I give this show a lot of credit for restraint because there was a spot where we could have very easily gotten the Wilhelm screen, which when the storm crew was climbing up to the, the, the bell tower there to get the, to get the guy who's hammering away and signing out the spiraling music. He gets kicked out of the tower. They do not play the Wilhelm screen. This is the kind of show that tells you like, okay, like we are treating us like adults. So we're not going to be goofy. Yeah. I appreciate it. Tom. Cause Pete, did you? How do you feel about that? Because I felt like it was great that they said, "Oh, it, it's right there. We're not going to do it." I I wouldn't have been mad if they did it. I think that they took the time to make this a great show, and I think they move forward with caution. Yeah, and I think that if they went with the Wilhelm scream in that moment where someone's getting kicked off a huge tower, appropriate, right? I would scream. God forbid, right? I mean, it's just kind of something that I feel like fits. It's not like it was just inputted in there just to be there. So I, I'm I'm okay with it. I'm okay without it. All right. Next up here, last but not least, uh, the Andor kill count. Last week, Pete, our guest Sandra Rose did five kills where he only had two. He killed the one guard. He killed the death trooper. So he had about 11 for the season. So basically one an episode. That's, that's okay. That's, I think, more than I thought was going to happen this year. Season, excuse me. Yeah, Nick, that tracker ended up being pretty useful for us. It does. Yeah. It does. Yeah. He's, I think I, I would not be surprised if it's triples next season. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. 
All right, next up here, we'll go to our MVP and LVP board. As of episode 11, we have 27 different characters on this board. It tells you how deep a cast this is in terms of what's going on here. So as of right now, we're starting three columns. Cassie and Andor on top at plus eight. Luthen in second at plus five. Then plus threes are Dedra and Sinta. Plus twos, Mon Mothma, Lieutenant Gorn, and Saw Gerrera. Plus ones, The Empire as a whole. Marva Andor, Nemec, Kino Loy, B2 Emo from last week's guest, Sandra Rosa, and Brasso, also from me last week. Bix at zero. The negative ones, the two Stooges, Cassie and Kills the of the season. Gorn's lackeys, who wanted the day off. Vel, Skeen, Tay Kalma, Davo, and Captain Elk from last week, who got ship got pwned by Luthen. Tim with two M's, Lita and Count and Bihaz are negative twos. Negative threes, Perrin and Blevin. And bring up the rear, Bureau Stairs employee Karn, negative 12. So he's over at one LVP point per episode. So we Mike, gonna, yes. The, not right now, because it'll take time. But if you have access to the old rankings, right, from old shows. Yeah. No one's ever hit minus 12, right? I don't think we gotten that far. I think it might have seen like probably like a negative seven. Yeah. He's by far the worst character we've run to in anything. We also have to remember that there's more episodes in this one. Not yeah. to say that's going to help, but if it was only eight episodes, Karn may have not gotten as much hate. That's just me being devil's advocate for at least the number. All right, let's get us all started here. We're going to start out with the positive, as we always do. We're going to start at the MVPs here. I'm going to give my MVP in memoriam to Marva Andor because I think phenomenal use of the hologram to give her eulogy. She inspires a rebellion on Ferric. She inspires her son to go join the Empire. She relays her final thoughts to Brassos to make sure he gets the message across here. So Marva Andor in memoriam gets an MVP point from me here. Pete, who's your MVP? Exactly the same. You kind of took the words right out of my mouth. Uh, nothing to really add there, other than that was probably the best part of the whole episode. Uh, Nick, your MVP. Uh, I don't disagree, but I'm not going to go with Marva. Marva was fantastic. But I'm giving mine to Mon Mothma. I think she figured everything out. Like I mentioned earlier, she went against her personal wishes for the sake of the rebellion. And that stage fight I thought was brilliant and kind of got the Empire off her back, at least for now. All right, so that's the MVPs. Let's go to the LVPs here. Pete, who was the worst character of the week? Uh, I really, really hated that guy that tried to cover the droid. I, I just... It, oh, Captain Vigo? Yeah. I, I, just, I don't think anyone else in the show or this episode had, like, was as bad as him. I mean, it's like, how how difficult is it to cover a small lens with a big jacket? I, I don't know. I... He just annoyed me, so he'll get an LVP. Uh, Nick, who's your LVP? Same. Captain Tigo. Yep, going with Captain Tigo. I do have a question for you, though. Next week, are we going to be having um, an L an MVP and LVP port for the entire season? Yeah, I think it's going to be like we're, we're going to add to the we can add one to each somebody on the board, regardless of like what like in case you miss somebody, like you had two a week that you. That's right, because I have I have an answer that I think about because I, I you know we've gone episode by episode, but I have an idea of like. Well, who's my favorite character this season? Not necessarily from each episode, and I do have an answer for that. But for this week, it's Captain Tigo. I mean, first of all, besides trying to cover, he kicked the droid. Yes, he did. That's a cool droid, and he kicked it. It's like when they, it's like when Jason said, I think it was Jason Sudeikis in The Mandalorian, yeah. we kicked Grogu. Yeah. I think he was dressed up in that Stormtrooper outfit. I'm pretty sure it was him. Yeah, I mean, like, the like it's basically like 
like we said last week, I mean, he's like the family dog. He's like kicking a puppy. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with you guys, A, that Tigo is a, is really a dumbass this week. He's not getting my point. I'm giving it to Nurse because I have to go after the narcs whenever they're on the screen. So it stitches snitches get stitches here, and he basically got 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 what's coming to him for uh, se- for selling out Cassian. I think it's fair. All right. Last but not least, here grades for the finale here: a scale of one to t- uh, one to ten. One is worse than 1978 holiday special. Ten is the pinnacle of live action Star Wars here. So, Nick, you want to start us off? Sure. Uh, I'm going to give this episode an eight. Thought it was really good. Didn't have really any issues with it. Just thought it wasn't the best thing I've ever seen. I think there were better episodes this season. I think the Prison Break was a better episode, for example. But I thought it was a great episode. I think they did a great job. They closed the storylines really well. And I'm excited for season two. And that's all you can really ask for in the finale, right? Yeah. I'm giving it a nine. I think they did a great job weaving everything together, building up the tension. They had well-executed riot sequence here. We had a lot of resolution for a lot of characters. We also had some good open ends set up for... Season two. I also give them credit for the restraint they show with some of these things, like not using the Wilhelm scream or, you know, going too hard on resolutions for certain characters. I did think everything was intentional, though it was done with purpose. I think it was done very well. I agree with Nick. The prison break was better, but I think that this episode was one of the best of the year. So, Pete, you want to wrap up the grades? Given it a 7.5, and the reason why I'm ranking a little bit low is because I feel like it was inconsistent to what they kind of led up to. I mean, I don't know how about how you guys feel about this, but I was super annoyed that we saw zero action for the whole Krieger thing. I, it was talked about immensely throughout the the um, his name's Krieger, right? Yep. The whole ambushing him, right? It was talked immensely throughout a few episodes leading up to it. Saw Guerrero was involved about it, and it literally gets brushed off. It's just like, oh, it happened. You should have saw it. It's like, yeah, and you could have literally removed the entire storyline in the show. It still would have made perfect sense. It it, it just it. You brought it up, and what I think the and, and look, I I am not a showrunner. I'm not at all in a position to say that they're the wrong thing. But if I were doing the episode, I would have ran the Krieger thing and the funeral concurrently, and gone back and forth between it, and had that be most of the episode. Um, and honestly, I kind of disagree with Nick. I don't think a lot of the storylines got wrapped up. I think we just had more, more open questions. We don't know what's happening with Deidre. We don't know what's happening with Karn. Andor's still on the run. It's not like he's not a person of interest anymore. Now we're opening up the door for the Empire, looking more into Mon Mothma, which we kind of knew was already happening. We don't know what's going on with Luthen or Andor in, in general because they were just like, hey, whatever. And Andor, all he does is walk pretty much calmly throughout that riot and gets picked out except for you know killing a couple people. I don't know if I can confidently say for me that storylines were wrapped up for a finale. Um, that being said... Still a great finale, nothing wrong with it, but because they weren't consistent with what they, they worked up to, and because I feel like we're just left with and and rightfully so you want to see season two now to see what happens, and I get it. I don't know. I just it it doesn't rank as high as like let's say the prison break, where they literally lead up to a prison break and a prison break happens the entire episode. Yeah, it's a good point here. A good place to wrap it up here. We're gonna talk more about the season as a whole next week. As is tradition here on the podcast, we're going to be joined by uh, the honorary fourth sky guy, Mike Bresh, is going to come on. You've not tar- heard from him this season, but Nick, he, I understand he's going to keep up with the show, and he's excited to come on and share his thoughts. Yeah, I'm not sure as of time of recording if he's seen the finale yet, but he's definitely seen the other 11, and I'm sure he'll have seen the finale by the time we talk to him next week. 
Yeah, a lot of fun this season here. And P, I thought it was good to get all these new voices in the mix here too, because now like we have a lot of people in the Sky Guys universe. Yeah, there was we had a ton of guests this this uh, this podcast, and also uh, well, this good guest every episode, right? Except the first and last. I think yeah. we, there was one other episode we didn't have a guest in there. So I think like maybe like I think we had seven guests total. Maybe more, right? Because yeah. I mean, it's let's say ten, it was ten weeks, right? Yeah, there was one week we didn't have a guest besides the oh, we are in the finale. I keep forgetting that we did the first three episodes for the first week. Yeah, I I really keep forgetting that. That's why it maybe doesn't feel like it's been twelve week, you know, uh, twelve episodes because it hasn't been twelve weeks. Yeah, but yeah, no, like you said, we got a we got a bunch of people on, which was really really cool, and it's it's really nice seeing other people's perspectives. I mean, just like us three talking and hearing each other's uh you know arguments on certain scenes and stuff. It's nice to have that kind of fourth person to come out of nowhere, maybe inform us of something we didn't necessarily know or or have a theory that we never thought of either. Yeah. Now, for example, Sam brought up last week and she's the only person to have brought up like to us at all was how cool uh the droid was. We kind of never we kind of neglected him in like not on purpose, but we kind of neglected him. Yeah, I think we kind of all looked at this sort of like, you know, like hey, you know, Cassie's droid is K2SO and he's not here, so I don't really care about this droid, this droid, but like he is still an important part of the show. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, so we're going to talk some more next week. We'll sort of touch big picture on all these storylines. Season two talk as well will be coming up. But I want to thank you guys once again for coming on. Really appreciate it here. Pete, people want to follow social media, how can they do that? Sorry, I couldn't find the mute button like I always do. Uh, at PJConstory29, that's on Twitter. Um, hockey stuff, Star Wars stuff, that's all retweeted there. All right, Nick, if you want to follow you uh, on the uh, Instagram for the Star Wars, how can I do that? At Sky Guys Podcast, and I gotta say, it's we we got a we we went really far in the episode until Pete lost the mute button. That was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, Pete also the entire I, way. I I did pretty well. I'm proud of myself for it, honestly. <laughs> yep. So follow me on Twitter, mphilips three three one. It's m p h i l i p s three three one. This week on Just on the Suffering Podcast, here the episode came out early in the week because we talked some Giants, Nick. We got ready for the Thanksgiving Day game. Your brother was on the podcast. Who doing NFL picks? What were his picks? Yeah. You have to listen to find out. Okay. Yeah. So that episode is in the feed right now. This one is coming out. We, and we only promise day after the episode, but it's Thanksgiving on Thursday. It'll be tough, obviously. So Friday in the podcast feed, Sunday, just on the suffering. We'll be back next week for more uh, indoor coverage. We'll wrap up our season one stuff. But until then, may the force be with you.